All right, what's up, man? We got Joel today here with us from the Rookies, my favorite jazz band in Australia. <laughs> oh, you're too much. Thanks, bro. I need y'all to, <laughs> I need y'all to, to know this. Well, you know, I was, and I know you guys just recently pulled off 400 gigs at the Rooks Return. Like, what? That's crazy, mm. man. I've and I've I've been there once. Is, and this was man. like pre-COVID, and the vibe was was great. You know, it was great there. And you guys were selling records for twenty-five dollars. You know what a pre-COVID number that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What were we thinking? <laughs> that was a golden age, man. Pre pre-COVID, like that bar was just popping off in there. It's starting to come back to the way it was, though. We're we're returning to those vibes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I know you guys have been playing at Jazz Lab as well, right? That's right. We were doing uh, every month there um, last year and the year before and going going back a ways as well. But we've actually just recently uh, brought that residency to an end so we can focus on the Rook's return. We want to bring all our energy to that gig. What's it, what's it feeling like these days? Is it still the packed, sweaty, awesome feeling room that it was a few years ago? Yeah, man, you remember. Um, it's yeah. So, like I say, it took a little while to come back after lockdown, but um, people are remembering what it's like to get in a room together and, and like dance some jazz again, and it's great to see. I was referencing the the visualizer for the new track, you know, before, and you know, I feel like the song already is existing in this really interesting world that feels very like outer space or. You know, and I know a lot of your previous album covers kind of lean into that weirdness, right? Stay weird, you know. And I was wondering if talking about how the the record can be played the whole way through and you can just sit there and listen to it and absorb that. Do you reckon this record sits in a particular visual world? Oh, man, it's interesting you ask that. Like, I'm not sure if we were thinking visually when we started writing the music, but... um we have the benefit of we've been working with this one amazing designer for years now, Hannah Wexler, who has done all our album artwork. Um, and we, we at, at certain points, we were looking at, you know, going in a different visual aesthetic for this record, but we decided to go with her work again so that um, so that you could almost imagine that this album sits in a similar visual world. In fact, possibly, in you know, the same imaginary handmade collage world that Hannah has so beautifully designed. Um, and, but definitely, I think there is, well, I, I certainly like to try and invoke a little bit of the surreal and mystical. I think music is uniquely positioned to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's almost, um, it is a little fantasy world you go into when you listen to music. It's, it's not, it's connected to reality, but it's almost larger than or sidelong from life. But um, yeah, music can like take you to some really weird places and, there's definitely a bit of that on the album. There's lots of sort of atmospheric landscape, very misty, misty moors and yeah, desert, deserty scapes and things like that. Who are some jazz piano players that you feel really influence your style? Oh, I love, I love this question. Um, so Wynton Kelly is someone who, for me, in the, in the realm of kind of like, uh, in the, in the most main line of jazz, as you kind of follow the narrative of it through the 20th century, he's the guy for me. He was an um, he was a Caribbean American pianist. Uh, had this amazing swing feel, very light and buoyant, but all filled with like rich sort of angular texture when you when you dig deep into it. 
Um, and then as far as like more modern, he was, he was sort of big in the fifties and sixties, played in lots of records. And then in more modern times, Brad Meldow is a big one for me. I love Brad's music. Um, and Keith Jarrett, I think is a very unique spirit in jazz piano world. You know, he, he's always someone who's, I think he's, 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 um, he epitomizes the jazz way of reaching into the past and being grounded in history, but also being totally himself as well, just uncompromisingly his own personality. I love to see that. I love to hear that in music. That's certainly something that we as a band um, and, as, and as individuals are all striving for, one foot in the past, one in the future. Mm. And of course, of course, like having a sense of integrity about our own identities. Like that's the whole stay weird thing is, you know, don't, uh, don't deny your natural weirdness. If it, like allow who you are to be, to be uninhibited by the world around you, because that's like one of the greatest gifts you can give to people. You know, beyond music, it's just like being yourself. It gives other people permission to be themselves too. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder, you know, when you're naming all these different cats, like that you're influenced by, how much of that just naturally comes across when you're playing you know so when you're recording these tracks mm. like for example you know on the shoulders of giants was that a was that a first take like how many takes in was that one you know and you listen back and go okay we really got it we really got it this time <laughs> yeah good question um i would say on average everything is like between the third and the fifth take you know we like we we think there's there's often kind of an arc of quality in the studio. You know, you do the first take, you're settling into it. Second take, now it's getting somewhere. The third take, then you start to really hit your stride. And if you go anywhere past the fifth take, you start coming down the other side of this arc of quality. So we try and get it. We try and get it in three to five. Beyond that, you're some, you're often just trying to recreate some magic that's already happened. Yeah, do you listen back to the tracks and go, oh, that was a key track lick that I just played right there? And, you know, like, <laughs> kind of not notice the things when you're playing it because it's just so naturally taking you over, you know. But when you listen back, it's like, oh, I didn't realize I do that. Or do you think in the moment you're calling upon those influences and like, you know, that's a more conscious approach to the way you improvise? Yeah. Okay, that's a deep one. I, I would say that, I would say that trying to call upon that stuff at least for me, trying to call upon it in the moment, trying to trying to bring in some Keith Jarrett or some Winton Kelly never feels like the most um, the most fluid and the most even practical way of getting to the the heart of what I want to do. Like, I think I want to stay as close to the experience of the moment, and so if I'm reach if I'm reaching to the past at that time, uh, I can I can lose I can lose focus on what's happening around me, which is you know. There's other musicians playing with me. There's there's the the luminous present moment around me that I need to be involved in. So my way of approaching playing improvisation particularly is much more like be highly aware of what's going on around you and be intuitively reactive to that. Like what is the most natural response you feel to what someone says to you, whether it's in um, with their voice or with their instrument. You know, a bass might play a little bit of a lick on, on his instrument and... Uh, I think it's really good to just respond naturally to that, like to not not hold something back or not try and contrive a certain sort of response. But what does that really call from? What does that really call out of you? Yeah. Mm. What do you feel like the the Melbourne jazz scene is looking like at the moment? I think there's a good oh yeah this in jazz. <laughs> 
this is something that um this is a question that always is always kind of floating around somewhere in the background as as the Melbourne jazz scene continues to do it continues to do its wonderful thing like there's so much great music going on here at the moment um so many new directions being explored and often this this reflexive like what is the Melbourne the Australian sound happening I know that me and the members of the band we talk about this a lot um I think it's very hard with jazz to describe a movement when you're in the middle of it right it's easy you can look back on the last hundred years of this music and very clearly you can sort of after the fact point to all these periods and these influential people and movement and style and socio-political stuff that's going on around it uh and you can then put these movements in boxes and label them it's very difficult to do that at the time um but i do get the feeling that we're in a moment that you know maybe in a couple of decades time people might look back on this time with some wonder and some uh yeah the thrill the thrill of nostalgia but at the end of the day you've got to like you've got to enjoy it while you're in it whatever it is mm. Mm. but uh there's certainly like i mean if i can go a step deeper into that i think there's it's possibly fair to say that there's like two ways of looking at the melbourne jazz scene there's there's the there's the inward looking jazz scene and there's the outward looking jazz scene the outward looking jazz scene is making all this really interesting um, and mostly successful attempts to bridge the audiences of jazz with a wider popular culture. So as sort of we, we do, we do this a little bit by playing, you know, a free gig at a public bar. Um, we get a, a lot of our audiences, young people who we often hear them say, Oh, I didn't know that I enjoyed jazz or I've never heard jazz before. I've never seen it live. So there's a bridging occurring between the world of jazz, which in the last 50 years has been, I think quite insular you know, there's often this joke that nobody likes jazz. Someone said, shared that with me in some form the other day. But a lot of young jazz musicians are reaching beyond the traditional jazz audience into a wider space, um, you know, releasing their music on more popular music labels. Uh, jazz, is, jazz has a place in playlists and on radio shows, again, in a way that I think it hasn't for a while. Uh, and this is really wonderful to see. I mean, I'm thinking of bands like 3070 bring jazz influence into what they do. Like Don Glory is doing jazz with the Afro-Brazilian funk thing. Um, oh, what else is happening? Uh, like Nicodemus, who does kind of like sort of complex fusion hip-hop neo-soul thing. There's jazz in what he does as well. Um, so there's lots of artists bridging jazz with other worlds and bridging jazz audiences with wider audiences. But then there's still this there's a, a beautiful other side to the jazz community in Melbourne, which is like, I want to call it a more inward looking, um, uh, more heritage oriented, but no less progressive. I, I don't know. I struggle to describe that, but it's, 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 um, it's the generation above us. It's people like Andrea Keller and Stephen Magnuson and uh, Julian Wilson, who are fiercely progressive artists um, but I'm not sure if they're seeking out younger audiences in the way that younger musicians are. And, you know, I'd, I'd love for them to, to come back, come back at me and tell me I'm wrong about that. But that's, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. I think that is a really good point. And, you know, one of my favorite artists around at the moment is Robert Glasper, you mm. know, who's just like really bringing that revival, you know, in the U S scene. And I know he's coming over to Australia very soon and, I remember Branford Marcellis was kind of commenting on a lot of his records and albums and saying like, yeah, it's good, but it's not jazz. 
And Robert mm. kind of, you know, came back and said to him, well, you know, look at what Miles Davis was doing, you know, <laughs> whenever and look at his progression. And jazz is something that just continues to evolve, you know, and change. And a lot of those older musicians are not, I don't think pushing against it's the right way of phrasing, you know, but there's that difference there and it's not as connected. So I find that a really interesting point. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the it's the eternal struggle of jazz's identity, which is it has the it has this this multiple identity thing of being um, historically inclined and very progressive and creative at the same time, and that's always been the case. It's always reached into the past and into the future simultaneously, and you see cats like um, the Marsalis family are more towards the spectrum of um, the preservation of the tradition of this music, which is fundamentally important and integral to keeping it alive. But they, I, I wonder if they've forgotten that jazz is as much about pushing forward as it is about holding on. And Glasper is entirely right about Miles Davis. You know, I, there's a thought experiment that goes around, which is what would Miles Davis be playing right now if he was still alive? And um, I mean, that's an open question as to what influences he would now be bringing in. I reckon, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it sounded not, unlike what Flying Lotus does. You know, he brings jazz into his music as well with a very progressive eye for how it might unfold into the future. Mm. And like you were saying with the, you know, improvisation, it's a response to what is happening and going on around you, isn't it? Yeah. And that's like the thing about the whole Melbourne scene. And yeah, I think it, I, I agree with you. There is, there are a lot of people making really interesting music. I think that just needs to, someone needs to find a way to, to have that push through so it can escape from the jazz world. You know, like you were saying yeah. about young people coming to your free gig on Wednesdays, you know, 8.30, be there or be square. And right. at Rook's return, right? Shout out. You know, and just experiencing that and going, oh, I didn't realise that this is what jazz could be, you know. Yeah, and hopefully that even leads them, leads them back into the fold of um, those slightly more insular musicians who are, who are changing the world in a quieter way, I think. Um, you know, I, 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 think, I think the jazz that loses sight of its roots and loses a connection with its past is no longer jazz as well. So there's a, there's a dialectic there to be, to be held onto with, with care, like between the future and the past. I love this music for that, for the way it does that. Yeah. When you were making the album, were you, were you guys conscious about bringing in some of those older stars of influence, you're like, you know, we're going to do a bebop song or, you know what I mean? We're going to pull from this pool of mm. music. Or was it more like, oh, you know, Joel's came to the idea today with studio, you know, on the piano. And it's like, we're going to just work off this, build from that place. Yeah. This album for us is, is the more, is the most forward looking of the work we've done. You know, we have a couple of albums, play jazz and play jazz too, which are, um, those records, the concept of them is that we play old jazz songs and we try and reimagine them. So again, there's a bit of a push-pull between past and future there. Um, but this record is our first, it's our first record that's entirely original music. So there's no standards on it. There are definitely influences you can trace. Like there's a strong spirit jazz, modal jazz flavor through a lot of it. Um, but for us, this this was our, our this is, has, to our to date is our most significant attempt to define a rookie's sound and to really carve out a niche for ourselves as to what we want this our version of this music to be. Mm. Yeah, well, 
you know, Joel, thank you for chatting with me today. <laughs> There's 20 oh, more thanks. questions I wish I could ask, you know what I mean? But it's like <laughs> Man, it's great. Um, this went this went deeper than I was expecting. And I'm really glad I'm really glad we had a chance to yeah, to sort of try and figure some of this stuff out. I appreciate you. Yeah, so the thanks. new record will be out on Wednesday, Feed the Fire, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Twenty second of March, the record will be out and then uh we're launching it in Melbourne at the Nightcat on April 22nd, which is going to be a huge production. We're putting a lot of energy and love and effort into, yeah, putting on a great show. So we'd love to see people there. All right, right on. Get down to the Nightcat. Get down to Rook's Return. You still doing that every Wednesday? Every Wednesday, baby. You know it. Every Wednesday. Exactly. Well, the Rookies, you know, you heard it here and stay weird. <laughs>